Wow, that's a powerful song, isn't it? More than a piece of glass. But for so many women, a mirror, glass, is so very important. And while I'm going to be talking to the ladies of all ages here this morning, I want to invite every man, every young man, to listen in to what's going to be said because I'm also going to be talking to you. But part of learning how to love, like, and value the women in our lives is by understanding what they face and what they have to deal with. So I want all of us to kind of tune our ears into what we're going to be talking about here this morning. Now, I want to start out by asking a question. And my question is simply this. How many of you women take time to look in the mirror? And when you look in the mirror, you just really don't like what you see sometimes. Any? Okay, I, th- I thought that might be the case. I mean, let's face it, sometimes all of us, men included, but especially women, you know, look in the mirror and they, they see things that just, well, they look at, they go, oh, it's so unattractive. You know, young women look in the mirror and they go, oh my goodness, you know, pimples, aka zits, all right? Or the older we get, age spots, right? Don't like those. Or, oh man, you know, why, why was I born with crooked teeth or lines and wrinkles you know why do I have these lines or wrinkles why why did God give me such a big nose and such thin lips or you know sometimes a woman will stand in front of the mirror and she'll just go oh I look so fat and so flat and you know the list goes on all right of the kinds of things that women perceive about themselves when they look in the mirror so my, my question is, you know, as a woman, as a young woman, you know, who do you wish you looked like? I mean, do you want to look like Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock? I mean, is that who you want to look like? Or how about Angelina Jolie? I mean, is that, you know, who you really want to look like? Or Beyonce Knowles or Jennifer Aniston? Or for you young ladies, young ladies uh, is it Taylor Swift? Is that her name? Did I get that right? And, and all the guys, you know, are kind of going, ooh, la, la, as, they, as we parade through these women. But I don't know what some of you women are doing. Some of you women are sitting there thinking, I think they're ugly. I just, I wouldn't want those lips, you know. I, I wouldn't want those looks. I wouldn't have to maintain all that. You know, so and we're trying to find reasons why we can't, we can't measure up. Well, when I think about the woman we're going to be talking about today, when she looked in the mirror, she didn't like what she saw either. Now, don't misunderstand me. She spent a lot of time on her looks. It's just that when she looked deep down inside, she felt so ugly. And ladies, have you ever had one of those moments when you're in front of the mirror and you caught your own eyes? Has that ever happened to you? And it's like for just a moment or two, it's like you look beyond the surface and you saw deep down inside of your soul. And you just thought, I'm so ugly inside. That's how she felt. When she took the time to really look at herself in the smoked Roman glass that they had in those days and saw her inside, she felt like such a failure. Ladies, do you ever feel like a failure? She felt like she failed herself, failed others, and certainly felt like she failed her religion and God. In fact, she hadn't been to church for a very long time 
She dare would not go to church because if she did, the religious leaders would have certainly grabbed her, thrown her out with her reputation, and probably stoned her. She felt used. She felt spent. She felt tired. She felt very lonely. And she felt dirty. Now, you may not be able to relate to her. Most of you may not be able to relate to her. But still, when you look inside, what do you see? I I think a lot of women look deep down inside and they just, they feel so bad. They feel so bad about themselves because there are memories of the past that haunt them. Of things that they have done or been done to them. Things they've said. Sometimes we look deep down in our lives and we feel really ugly inside because of what others have said about us. Or our inability to live up to a standard that we feel we should be able to live up to. And sometimes it's the voice of true guilt and oftentimes it's the voice of false guilt. Why is it that so many women struggle so much with, with their self-image, how they look on the outside and how they feel on the inside? And the answer to that question is because of the lies of this world. Guys, listen in. Pick up the clue phone. The reason your daughter, your granddaughter, your wife, your sister, the reason women in general, single women, married women, the reason they struggle so much with self-image is because they're so susceptible to lies. And perhaps one of the biggest lies that women struggle with is this idea that our self-esteem or a woman's sense of worth and value is based on on her looks. That's all about looks. How many of you women would raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's a message that the culture sends me all the time. It's about looks, right? It's about looks everywhere you turn. Your daughter's being faced this constantly. I had a teacher come up to me, an eighth grade teacher in our church that teaches in one of our public schools, and said that, you know, we're only a couple days into the school year, and the teachers and I, as we look at the 8th grade girls, we are shocked at how sexual they are. He said, I wish I could take this message and, and, and play it for them. I, I can't. It's a public school. But of all the years, he said, this year, they are just so sexual. That's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? 8th grade girls. And the pressure, you know, to look a certain way. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. I mean, that's how Satan came at Eve, was with appearance. Look what it says in verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it could give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. It was all about looks. It was this idea for her that if it looks good, it must be good and satisfying. And the way that gets translated into the the brain and the mind of a woman today is if I really want to be satisfied, I have to look a certain way. If I want men to notice me, I have to be appealing to them. And our daughters and our granddaughters hear that. Our wives hear that. Our, our, our single uh, women friends hear that. And they go chasing after that. But ladies, let me ask you a question. Is the look the world tells you you need to have, is it a real, honest, sincere look? Or is it all made up? Watch this.
distorted beauty. How many of you women saw that and were a little depressed? Right? I mean, you can't look like that because it's all enhanced. It's all, you know, it's all photoshopped. It's all made up. But we're chasing down that runway thinking, you know, if I just get the right look, then I'll be loved. There's a second lie that women also believe. It's almost a reaction to the first lie. It's like, if I can't look beautiful for you, then I'm just going to tell myself how beautiful I really am. And so that lie, a woman's sense of worth and values based on her ability to love herself. So we go to seminars, we read books, we uh, listen to tapes, CDs that reinforce this whole idea that, you know, I'm good, I'm, I'm, a, wo- I'm a woman, I'm, I'm okay. And, and we tell ourselves that mantra over and over again in hopes that we can actually believe it and not be affected by the world around us. I heard about a company that uh, specializes in, in uh, women's wear and and one of the things they make are nightshirts for women that uh, have different sayings on them where they can stand in front of the mirror and read it to themselves. And one of those nightshirts says this. says, I am a precious, wondrous, special, unique, giving, rare, valuable, whole, sacred, total, complete, entitled, worthy, and deserving person. The only thing missing is I'm humble too. All right? <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's that idea that I just have to believe this about myself over and over and over again. But that's a lie. I mean, you can tell yourself how wonderful and beautiful you are, but ladies, I want to tell you something. Just like the men in this room, every one of us is born sinful. And we can't change ourselves by telling ourselves how good and wonderful we are. We all are born with weakness. We are all born spiritually kind of ugly. And all the self-talk you want to do isn't going to change that. There's a third lie that women have a tendency to believe. And it goes something like this. I have no sense of self-worth because I am a victim. And so women oftentimes just live, you know, with rounded shoulders and, you know, uh, uh, kind of having a pity party for themselves, feeling sorry for themselves because they're victimized by their, by their parents or they're victimized by their, their ex, you know, or they're victimized by, by somebody in the workplace or they've been victimized by some other individual or group of individuals. And I'm not here to say that women aren't victimized in the culture. You are. And it's horrible. The number of women who, who experience abuse in their lives is just, it's just terrible. And I hate it and it's wrong. And I really hate it when it happens at the hands of so-called Christian men. But listen, ladies, you further allow that person to victimize you when you maintain the victim mindset. See, as a woman, as, even as a man, but as a woman, you have a choice You can either maintain feeling like a victim or you can break out of that. But so many women go through life with a poor me, look what's been done to me kind of attitude. And you just allow yourselves to be further victimized by whoever caused that in your life. And it becomes an excuse for our dysfunction. Say, well, you're telling me what the lies are, then tell me what the truth is. Tell me what is the truth, what is right. What should I believe in? And to answer that question, I want to take you to a powerful story found in Luke chapter 7. It starts at about verse 35. One of my favorite, one of my favorite Bible stories that I hope is on Blu-ray in heaven or whatever we're at, okay? It's about a man named Simon who's a religious leader. He's a Pharisee. He has this dinner party and invites Jesus to come. And Jesus comes to the dinner party and Simon's also invited several other of his cronies, other religious leaders to this party as well. And it's held in the inner courtyard of Simon's home. He would have been probably a wealthy man. 
It's that low-lying table that you had in those days. They didn't use chairs. They used cushions. And you didn't really sit at the table. You laid at the table. You rested on one arm with your feet extended behind you. And with the other, you would eat. And if you got tired, you just switched. But your feet were always behind you. And gathered around the perimeter of that court would be people from the town. It sounds weird to you and me. We wouldn't invite a whole bunch of people to watch us eat, but that was kind of the custom and culture. And they, those people would sit there and gawk, and they would wait for the leftovers afterwards. It was kind of a way of, of helping the poor out and feeding them. So you have Jesus at this kind of dinner party. You've got a crowd of people around the perimeter watching, listening in as this meal is being held. And there's a lady in the crowd, a known sinner in town, that is not there just to gawk and listen. She's there to ambush Jesus. Now understand in that culture, in that time, women were supposed to keep their distance from men. You only were close to your husband. Otherwise you avoided men, especially religious men, and especially if you were a known sinful woman And this woman was a known seductress. She was an immoral woman. She had a reputation, adulteress, a prostitute. We're not sure, but she had a reputation. And she had no problem approaching men. She could be forward and brash. She knew how to use her looks. She knew how to use her her body. She brought many a man down to his knees. But she's not there to proposition Jesus today. She's so, she's so sick And tired of her life, of her pain, of her loneliness, of her dirtiness, of what may have been done to her that started her on this whole path and journey. She's so tired of it, she wonders, is there anybody that will love her? And she takes the risk that Jesus won't reject her. She comes to his feet and she stops there. And the whole room must have gasped. As she advanced toward Jesus, certainly Simon and his buddies would have recoiled at the thought of the sinful woman making them unclean with her presence. And there she sinks to her knees as she begins, she begins to weep. I mean, she just cries and cries and the tears form little rivers coming down her cheek and they cascade off her jaw and form a waterfall of tears that just soak Jesus' feet. In those days, women are supposed, were supposed to wear their hair up and covered. The only time a woman let her long hair down was in the bedroom with her husband. And there were probably some men there in the crowd that day that had seen her hair let down before because they had paid to have sex with her. She reaches up and she pulls that pin down and the hair just falls down over her shoulder and she takes that hair and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. And then she reaches up and she pulls off of her, she snaps off of her this little rope and the rope's been holding a little alabaster jar that is filled with very expensive perfume. She breaks the neck on it and she pours the perfume over his feet and the smell just fills the whole courtyard. She's kissing Jesus' feet with her promiscuous lips as she's washing and wiping and anointing. It's an awkward moment for everybody except her. She's oblivious to anybody else but Jesus. And Jesus doesn't feel uncomfortable He doesn't jerk his feet. 
He doesn't flinch. And that makes everybody else even more uncomfortable that he's allowing this to happen and seemingly enjoying it. Simon, on the other hand, man, he's thinking to himself, if this guy were a real prophet, then he'd know the kind of woman that's doing this to him right now, and he'd react. And Jesus knows what Simon's thinking. And Jesus says to Simon, can I tell you a story? Simon says, okay, go ahead. And Jesus said there was this lender. And this lender gave one man 500 pieces of silver and the other man 50 pieces of silver. And neither man was able to pay the lender back. So the lender forgave them their debt. Jesus said, Simon, which one do you think loved the lender the most? And Simon says, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus said to Simon, you see this woman? She's washing and wiping and crying and anointing. Jesus said, when I came to your house, you know, you didn't give me the customary foot washing that every guest receives, the dust being washed off their feet by the lowliest slave. You didn't do that for me, but this woman has been washing my feet with her tears and her hair. Simon, you didn't give me the customary kiss on the cheek, the Middle Eastern greeting. But this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet with her lips. Simon, you didn't anoint my head with olive oil like we do here in the Middle East to refresh me. This woman took her most expensive possession, that expensive, sweet, pure-smelling perfume, and she's anointed my feet with it. And then Jesus spoke the words that are recorded for us in verse 47. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hey, I want to see that. I want to see it and I want to hear it. I want to see Jesus looking over at that woman in front of all of her accusers and just saying, your sins are forgiven. I want to see Jesus say to her as her eyes meet, perhaps for the very first time, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. See, she discovered that day the key to self-worth, the key to esteem. She discovered that day what will truly satisfy a woman's life, anyone's life, but a woman's life in particular. And it's this one truth that only Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy your life with his presence and his truth. And I want you ladies to say this with me, but get rid of the word your and say my. All the women say this with me. You young ladies say it with me. Only Jesus can satisfy my life with his presence and his truth. Let's say it again. It's so liberating. Only Jesus can satisfy my life with his presence and his truth. Listen, ladies, listen to me. Your husband cannot. 
No man can do for you what Jesus alone can do for you. Stop expecting a man to do that for you. He can't. But Jesus can. You say, how, pastor? How can I know this satisfaction in my life? Number one, stop looking for it in all the wrong places. Ladies, stop thinking that getting the right look is going to fulfill your life. It's not. Looks are fleeting. Guys, listen up. Pick up the clue phone, men. Listen carefully. You young men, listen to me. Stop pressuring the women in your life to think that they have to look a certain way for you to accept them, for you to love them, to like them, to approve of them. Stop doing it. Why on earth are eighth grade girls behaving so sexually? Eighth grade girls. Why? Because men, boys, the culture, powerful, greedy, media tycoons know that sex sells. Know they can get a girl addicted to buying all their products. So they put this stuff out there. God forbid that you and I reinforce that message for them. Stop believing the lie that you can somehow lift yourself up by telling yourself good things. Ladies, stop doing that. Here's what's so much better. Let God declare you valuable this morning. Let him declare you valuable because he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you so that your sins could be washed away. Accept the fact that your value does not come from self-bestowal. It comes from God bestowing it on you. You matter. You're precious, ladies. You're valuable, young ladies, because the king of the universe loves you. And he's made you beautiful through the act and the work of his son. Isn't that good news, ladies? I don't have to run around telling myself that. The only thing I need to do is run around reminding myself that God loves me. That I matter to him. That I am precious and beautiful in his sight. Well, take care of your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do good to your body. Feed it well. Exercise it. Care for it. But don't make it your idol. Worship God. And thirdly, don't live as a victim anymore. Claim your victory in Christ. Say, well, why did God allow that to happen to me? God didn't make that happen to you as a result of living in this sin-sick world. God didn't didn't do it to you. Others did it to you. The question is, what are you going to allow God to do for you out of those circumstances? Let him change you. Claim the victory you have in him. So how how do I do that? I think some of you may need to actually walk out toward Jesus. Sink on your knees and grab his feet in the face of your accusers. Say, well, who are my accusers? Those voices in your brain, those voices from the past, those voices in the present right now who judge you, who criticize you, who put pressure on you, who tell you how you need to be, how you need to look, how you need to act. You need in front of those voices to grab hold of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm not going to listen to any other voice anymore but your voice alone. Your voice alone. And gentlemen, our voice, your voice, and my voice to women needs to be the voice of Christ. So you ladies need to step out in front of the voice of your past that keeps reminding you of things you've done and things you've said and the way you have acted. 
And it keeps accusing you. And some of those voices are right voices. You did mess up in the past, but you've been forgiven now. Lay hold of your forgiveness. Silence that voice. Some of you need to walk out right now and, and, and you need to silence the voice of a false conscience, of a, of a false guilt in your life that was created when you were abused and you feel dirty and you feel vile like something was wrong with you and nothing's wrong with you. You didn't deserve it. It was done to you. Stop listening to that voice. Silence it. Grab the voice of forgiveness. Grab the voice of love. Grab the voice of care. Spill your tears out on his feet. And let him turn those tears of pain, those tears of hurt, those tears of repentance into tears of joy. I imagine somewhere along the line, that woman, as she's washing the feet of Jesus, I imagine her tears went from sour, sad tears to tears of joy and happiness because he wasn't pushing his feet away or pulling his feet away. He was leaving them there, letting her know he was accepting what she was doing. He needed to wipe his feet with repentance and break open the perfume of trust and obedience, saying, Lord, I'm just going to follow you. And you need to hear his words to you, those precious words that he spoke, those words that says, your sins are forgiven. Go. Go in peace. Can you receive that this morning, ladies? Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. God loves you. You matter to him. Stop believing the lies. I'd like to ask every woman who's in this room right now on the balcony, would you stand right now? I just want to pray for you right now. Guys, you stay seated. Just let the women stand. Father, standing before us, hundreds of women, young women and girls, that are so precious to you, who you love so much, who live in a world, oh God, that's trying to pressure them into being satisfied in anything and everything but you. And they're so vulnerable, oh God to chasing after the lies. Some, oh God, have been hurt so deeply. Some have been betrayed. Some have chased after those lies and have caused pain in their own lives. But today, you're standing before them with your feet exposed to them, saying, if you'll come and just grab hold of my feet, I'll heal your heart. I'll forgive your past. I'll set you free. And I'm wondering in this room this morning, in the balcony, if there's some women who just, you just need to walk forward, not to me today, but to Jesus. And with your emotions and your heart, you need to lay hold of him and just declare in front of all those voices that Jesus is your hope, that Jesus is your help. Accept his comfort, accept his love, accept his grace. Your life may not be anything like this woman's life. It doesn't matter. Why don't you silence those voices right now, right where you are. If you're on the balcony, just come to the rail. If you're here on the floor, just come to the front. Come to Jesus right now. Just walk out as a woman, as a lady. And just lay hold of his feet. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't mean you have a past. Maybe you do have a past. 
Maybe you're just struggling right now with your feelings. Maybe right now you just feel so pressured by the culture around you to, to be the woman of the world, what the world wants you to look like and be like. This is about saying from now on, I'm just going to be the woman that Jesus wants me to be. I want to pray healing for you this, this day. I want to pray release for you this day. I want to pray encouragement for your heart this day. I want to pray confidence for your soul this day. I want to pray for your daughter, for your single mom, for that special little girl in your life. I just want God to bring healing and hope and comfort to you. You just come as the music plays. Ladies, come. So I'm worried about what someone might think around me. Who gives a rip? What anybody else thinks, what any guy thinks or any other woman thinks. See, that's your problem. You're worried about what others think. This is about you and Jesus. Not about you and the culture, not about you and your husband or your son or your brother or your friend. This is you being who Jesus called you to be. It's about him loving you, healing you, protecting you. You can come and weep. You can come and laugh. You can come and be still. It does not matter. You young women, my heart goes out to you. Ladies, stop believing the, the garbage that you see on MTV or on VH1. The stuff guys are saying, the stuff other girls are saying, the competition so you can lose the virginity first. Don't be, this, don't be some guy's slave. Who cares what the other girls at school think and feel? You're God's princess. You're his special daughter. You only have to please him by just receiving him, loving him. Father, standing here on the floor and at the rail in the balcony are the most, most beautiful women in the world. It has nothing to do with their looks on the outside. It has everything to do with Jesus who's on their inside. Oh God, I pray that you'd wrap your arms around their hearts today and just give them the peace that comes from knowing that all they need to do is obey you and trust you and accept what you've done for them. Lord, I pray that you comfort them I pray, oh God, that you just surround them with your grace. God, I thank you that their sins and my sins and our sins are forgiven and washed away. And now I pray that you do for them what I cannot do, what only your spirit can do. Just heal, renew, restore. There's a woman next to you here right now who's just struggling emotionally. If you're a woman, would you just place, if you're a woman, would you place your arm around them and encourage them and love them? Let them know they're not alone. Would you care for them? And you guys, you men, listen to me. These women, the women in your life, the women at work, you know, they need to experience a Christ-like man have so many bad examples. If you're willing to be a Christ-like man in their life, would you stand right now, man? If you're willing to start to treat them the way Jesus would, would you do that? Would you make that commitment to your wife, to your daughter, to your single Christian women friends? Could the Compass Church become an example of what it means to be a real gentleman? 
But ladies, listen to me. I don't care what the guys do or don't do. Listen to me, ladies. You keep your eyes on Jesus because you matter to him. Father, heal, help, restore, and bless. You're welcome to stay up here and pray as long as you want. For any of my prayer partners here, I'll ask you to come up. Prayer partners be available to pray. But let's leave out here in the scent of his forgiveness and his grace and his love. Amen. All right, next weekend, guys, it's your turn. Don't miss it. Well, don't go because there will be a lot of guy tears the next two weekends, all right? Don't miss next weekend. God bless you. Have a great day.